0: That's ixl.com slash BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle where we interview real principals who are doing amazing things to help our students every single day. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. So my next question for you is, is how do you do this stuff at three different schools? Three different sites that are seven and 14 miles away from each other? How, How do you do that? Um, it's
1: challenging, let me tell you that. Um, A lot of the work, I mean, my weekly update that I create is for all three schools. So when I send it out, it goes out to all three. Uh Um, As far as the professional development and creating the PLC environment and things like that, I'm fairly fortunate, like I said, that the district had started that here already. And so it was a matter of me coming in and making sure my culture and my beliefs fit in with theirs. And uh, if I find things to tweak or improve, that we do that over time. But they're really pretty good about it. Uh, Now the biggest thing is, again, trying to find more time for them to do that and things like that. So that's a matter of me next year trying to find a way to work our schedules to make that work at each building. Um, One of the other things I do, the the two out-of-town buildings have some strong teacher leaders in them. Mm -hmm. And so I can kind of go there and uh, and just come in and advise or what are the things they really need me to do. Uh, That's beyond a teacher's role kind of thing as far as professional development and things like that, when we have our staffing and stuff, when we come together, the district right now has got a few different initiatives going on that have had to be a part of the focus. I don't know if you've heard or whatever, but we have a, um, educator effectiveness. It's a new evaluation system here in Wisconsin. Everyone's following the Danielson model. Um, I shouldn't say that. You have the choice between the Danielson model or the Strong model. Um, Jim Strong's out of Model too. Um Our district went with Danielson model. so. Our teachers right now are really learning all about uh, that new evaluation system, observation system, and how that's going to work next year, and uh, we've been spending a lot of time on that. The other thing is we adopted a new math series last year, the Everyday Math Series, and so we're working on that piece, um, getting some professional development with that. Um, the only other focus that I have really put in things on is um, PBIS, again, trying to create positive cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and more on the recognition piece rather than rewards. And um, I think, what's the other, one? oh, RTI, making sure that our RTI is functioning well and smooth and uh, that we're really focused more on the intervention piece rather than it being a referral system. Right. So that's where our, our focus
0: has really been all year and it's been going well. So talk to me a little bit about your RTI um, system and how, how that looks on a day-to-day basis at your school.
1: Um, on a day to day basis,
0: well, schools, plural, excuse right. <laughs> <laughs> me.
1: Um, on a day to day basis, I, I guess really what it comes down to is uh, we do a lot of uh, intervention work with students. We are school wide, Title I, so every student has access to that kind of uh, service and support if they're needed. Um, we created an ice time, what we call it, our school, so every grade level has. An intervention core and enrichment time mm-hmm. where students can either get some really um, specific focused interventions or they can go and get extra support with the core kind of our middle of the road kids who can maybe use some review of some of the new terms vocabulary um, extra reading time with a teacher or something like that or enrichment for our students that are a little bit higher up they can either uh, get go to one teacher and get some real focused enrichment pieces or maybe they're just high enough that they can go to the next grade level and do some reading work with that grade level um, to help increase that uh, slightly higher score that they have there and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or, or skill area. And so we've kind of divided up our ice time like that on a daily basis. Um, the only other thing that I would say has happened is weekly that the title teachers and the classroom teachers come together and have conversations about student progress uh, as far as the kids that are getting interventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, every other week, we either meet for what we call an ERT team, which is our uh, intervention response, instructional response team, excuse me, uh, where we come together and s- students that are having some trouble in some of those core areas, we, we sit down and we come try to come up with other interventions for them, other possibilities, or do they need title support Are they needing to move into that kind of thing. Um, Uh, The other thing that we have is a a bit team, behavior intervention team, so we come together there and that's where it's a little bit more of the PBIS, but it's the classroom piece too. So what kind of supports um, uh, modifications and things like that can we make in the classroom environment to help the student be more successful? And then we check and see, you know, is our referral data saying that uh, this student needs a little bit more than tier one, do they need to move into a tier two, more of a focused check-in, check-out system? And uh, and who would be a good uh, check-in check-out person for that student? Because it's not a matter of just assigning them to one person in the building. You want to have somebody that can build a relationship with that student and hopefully uh, find out what's really bothering them to to make them act out the way they may be and things like that, mm-hmm. and uh, come up with some uh, some possible interventions and ideas there too. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty big and I'm lucky that my staff is too that they're pretty focused on the relationship piece of it is huge um,
0: as far as our students being successful at school too. So we put a lot of focus on that piece. That's great. So going back to the ice time, um, what, uh, how much time is that each day and how fluid are those different groups and how do you determine who's in I, C and E.
1: we use uh, numerous data pieces we have we take the star assessment, uh, we also take um, aims web data that we benchmark three times a year. Exactly. And, and we use classroom pieces too, so we try to take the, the three legged school approach there and have at least those three pieces of evidence when we come together and talk about our students. Um, we have a full picture all of our data that we put together goes into a student information system that we have in our school and so we're able to print off a graphic. Um, for every class and see how are the kids doing, you know, who's in the red zone, the yellow, and things like that. And we can come together and have conversations. And like I said, they do that uh, weekly. They come together. Now, we do, we try not to make snap decisions. So the, the groups aren't so fluid that they're changing every week, um, but they could. Um, if we saw data pieces that are saying the student isn't needing that, but I, we hate to go with just, you know, one week, all of a sudden they're scoring real well, so they need to move up. We want to have at least a few weeks of data there before we say, Yeah, this kid has mastered that skill. Mm-hmm. Um, they're showing it in the classroom as well as on their assessment piece. Let's move them up to another level. Or this kid is suddenly struggling with this piece here. Let, let's get him down into something that's a little more intensive. Um, so, yeah, we have those conversations weekly. Uh, the groups aren't quite that fluid, but I'd say. Every three to four weeks, we look at moving and adjusting groups and see if that's what's needed. Um, uh,
0: and and to what do you attribute that that willingness of your teachers to adjust the students? How did you uh, to adjust the groups? How did you uh, make sure? I would, you love were... to,
1: I would love to take credit for that, but that was actually <laughs> in place before I got here. Um, the previous principal, who's now our curriculum director, our director in the district, I, I think just had some good honest conversations and i think they looked at a variety of rti models before they kind of hammered out what was going to be best for them uh-huh. and so they, they put together a pretty solid system here that's one thing that i as i've looked at i don't think we need to adjust a lot other than some philosophy things of um what is really going to be best for this kid I, we have a great spec ed program and things like that but if we look at our spec ed program this, some students might actually get less support if we move them into spec ed than they will if they're in their intervention yeah. so we have to really examine is this really what the student needs are they going to get more by moving there or will they get more staying with the intervention support system mm-hmm. uh, so that that's just some things some conversations that we're having right now and it's some of that is just philosophy stuff that we need to take and and uh, have some of those tough conversations and really uh, take an idea and make sure that we examine this from all angles and are we really making sure we're doing what's best or are we just following a process because we don't want to get into
0: that mode. Yeah, certainly. So that, that sounds super exciting. When I was a teacher, we did a um, rise and stretch is what we called it. And every week we did um, an assessment. And then based on that specific assessment, we divided the students up by those who needed to rise up to where they should be and those who were able to stretch beyond what they had based on that one specific assessment and what was so cool about that was that it was um it was fluid because it was based on just that one thing um that one uh a assessment and that determined what they were doing the next day um and now at my school we're doing we have groups, and we're, we're trying to work out a better process. And you've given me some great ideas today, so I really appreciate this. Um, we're trying to work out a better way to make sure that the groups are fluid, because last year and the year before, it was like the kid was put in a group at the Web assessment at the beginning of the year, and then at the benchmark, and then in the winter benchmark, that's when they could change, and they were there forever. And what we want to do is make it so that kids can move as they gain skills or identify areas where they're deficit. And, and I think that you've given me some good guidance on how to start moving that conversation in that way, which I'm, I'm really excited about doing because that sounds so much better that, you know, fluid to three to four weeks or more often if they need to be, but making those decisions based on how the kid's doing is awesome.
1: And I think a lot of that it depends on your resources and things too. I mean, yeah. if you have a bigger building, so if you have a fourth grade team that has four teachers on it, and you have three uh, title teachers in your building, and a spec ed teacher, and maybe a gifted teacher, obviously you can create opportunities for a lot of fluid movement there right. because there's not huge gaps. But if you have a you know a building that only has two grade level teachers and one title teacher, well, you only have three groups you can create there, and unless you start to take advantage of um, aids and things like that in the building that could maybe could go and do some enrichment piece. We went and did a site visit at one school this year. They do uh, they do the model of the whole building stops. There's one intervention time during that day. Everything stops. Specials, aids, principal, everybody will take a group and they'll figure out. So if a kid needs math support or if a kid is really high in technology and does well in reading and math as well, you can take them and do some group like that. Um, a lot of the uh, specials teachers, the, the PE music art, they'll take those high flyers and go do enrichment activities with them and mm-hmm. things like that. But uh, they have a very different approach than we do, but there's things that we liked about it a lot too. Yeah. And next year we're actually looking at, maybe we, t- to increase some of the flexibility and make sure that we can hit some math and things like that as well, um, we're looking at doing maybe a K-1 or a K-2 intervention time, so that again, some of our high kids can go from kindergarten up to first grade and read with the first graders and things like that. And um, we can have some folks there to, available to do math as well as mm-hmm. just reading. Reading has been our heavy focus so far, unless we really have a the math student. Um, that's really been our focus so far. So next year, yeah, we'd like to open up some opportunities by combining grade levels like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome. And one of the things I really like about the DuPont approach is that it is, you know, that book, whatever it takes, really, that's you do whatever needs to be done to make sure those kids get the things that they need. And, you know, if that means you do things differently than you have in for the last hundred years, then you do it to make sure the kids get what they need. I, I just love that idea.
1: So yeah, that's one of the big things I've tried to push with folks too, is we just can't be afraid to experiment. We got to start to look at this like it's an experiment to figure out what can we do best for kids. Right. And we can't be afraid to try something and have it fail and not work because then we just try something different the next time right? Um, rather than getting stuck in a routine. But like the saying goes, one of the scariest
0: phrases in education or in life even is we've always done it this way. Right. Yeah. You don't want to hear that. Yeah, for sure. So I asked two questions at the end of every interview. The first one is um, what is one piece of advice or tip you've given a ton today already, but what is the one thing you want somebody to take away so they can be a transformative principal like you are?
1: Um, the biggest one that I'd say, and I've learned it from a a new mentor, uh, thanks to being on Twitter and and having a PLN and things like that, um, is relationships, 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 relationships are the biggest thing. Um, Jimmy Casas, uh, has become a mentor for me that I've known for a little over a year now. And, uh, it's definitely his mantra and it makes a huge difference um and it's one i learned it as a mistake once again another one of my mistakes that i've made that i definitely learned from Uh, we came in i was encouraged to really focus on test scores and improving practices and stuff like that so i came in i did that and put relationships on the back burner terrible terrible idea so relationships number one kids teachers parents relationships number
0: one yeah um and you know you've written a few posts about that on your blog also and i really uh appreciate that like being out in the hall during um parent teacher conferences that is really powerful we started doing
1: <laughs> i didn't know how powerful that was but it cracked <laughs> me up because teachers and parents and all sorts of folks said ah, that's awesome i'm glad you're out here and i was like well, that was an easy enough change to do I, <laughs> I know,
0: right?
1: <laughs> i was normally bored back in my office or waiting yeah. for the one tough conference that a teacher wants you there for some support i'm like
0: yeah i'll just park myself out here not a problem yeah so we start doing something similar where we um my principal and i we sit outside uh in the hallway and kids who are struggling they come to us and just get extra um support and help you know tips to do at home things like that and it's not um you know we're not changing the world but being out there and having a place for kids to come and parents to come and, and to just be available. And if we need to have a hard conversation, we can step into the office that's right there and have the conversation. And the other coach and the achievement coach are, are out there in the hall still continuing um, to talk to people. And, you know, that was a little thing, but I feel like our teachers have really, really appreciated that. And that's something easy and simple to do. Really
1: honestly there is with the portability of of the tools and technology that we have now, there is no reason for me to be back in an office somewhere. It'd be great to have a conference room to be able to go to now and then, but there's no reason for me to be back there. And actually the, another idea I got from Melinda Miller was that, that portable cart, she found that portable computer cart. And I was like, that thing's awesome. Uh, I got on Amazon. I ordered one, I think the next day. Uh And uh, that thing's been a great thing too. Again, uh, there's no reason that I can't check my emails in the back of a room. And actually it was a conversation that I had with George Kuros last year at ASCD as he talked about how he was doing some of his job and he wanted to be able to get out of his more of a central office thing right. too. He said, every now and then I just need to see kids. So there's no reason I can't just take my laptops in the back of a classroom, hear what's going on and everything like that, but check my emails, work on whatever mm-hmm. uh, professional development thing he needed to get ready. And I'm like, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know what made me think that I need to be back in there doing that stuff. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I try to get, get into the classrooms too, but heck, I don't need to be in an office really at all. I can take that around with me and do all that stuff and at least be visible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And just yesterday, I a teacher called me and I had stuff that I had to do on my computer. So I just took my computer down, sat next to the kid who was looking like he was going to have a rough time in a few minutes. And, you know, he was looking at my computer and I'd be doing something that I'd say, how are you doing on number five right there? And he'd say, good. And I'd say, do you need help doing it? No, I got it. And then he'd go back to work and then look at my computer with me. And then, you know, we, t- we talked a little bit, but he didn't have a blow up like his teacher was expecting. And just my presence there was enough to calm him down. And that was mostly so that he could know that he could stay in control, even if he had to use me as a tool to help yep. him do that. And I was fine with that. And I got my work done. I helped the teacher and I helped the student. And it was a a great thing. Exactly. Uh, My last question is a a kind of a softball question. Um, What is something that you have uh, in your office, if you're there, or somewhere to remind you of why you're doing your job and to keep you motivated? You
1: know, I put a few sayings, kind of one, I keep... The books that uh, have made a big difference to me, I keep them on a bookshelf right above my desk right here. I, I don't have a hutch on, on my desk. Uh-huh. So I had them come and install you know, the old slat system and and I put in some shelves and uh, I put a bookshelf right up there above me and on that bookshelf are the books that I would... If anybody ever came in and asked me a question, I'd be able to pull up and grab and say, this book right here, I'll help you with that and things like that. And every now and then, I need to pull them down and remind myself of some of the things too. <laughs> um, but the other thing that I'll do is I have some great sayings that I've picked up from folks and, and other leaders over the years and stuff like that, and I'll tape them on the bottom of that shelf so they're hanging right there in front of me that uh, help me keep reminded. Um, but one of the, the, one of the biggest things is I, I keep pictures of my kids on my desk because uh, one of my biggest mantras is, is this what I want for my kids? Mm-hmm. Is it anything we just decided? Is this a teacher I would want my kids to have? Is this the kind of curriculum I would want my kids to go through? If I had my son in the principal's of the office getting chewed up for something, he did wrong, how would I want to approach that? And uh, sometimes those pictures are just enough to remind me of, i got to keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, even though this isn't my kid, i got to treat him like my kid. Yeah. And I want to make sure that my kid's respected yeah. when I'm approaching this subject there, too. So those are some of the things I keep there.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome, um, Tom. Thank you so much for your uh, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Um, Not I've a problem. Great time. Um, tell us how people can get a hold of you if they want to learn more from you.
1: Um, if they want to follow me on Twitter, I am at t Whitford. That's t w h i t f o r d. Uh, Let's see, I'm on Facebook, but I really don't put much on Facebook, (laughs) I'm I'm mostly on there just connecting with some of the other uh, professional friends and things that I have. Um, The other tool that I've started to use a lot lately is Boxer. Um, It's been an incredible tool for deepening relationships, sometimes when you're having some of those professional conversations on Twitter. it's hard to get past the 140 character limit and have some deeper conversations, right. or if there's things that you want to be a touch more private, even when you go over to direct message, you're, you're still limited in characters. Right. And so Boxer has been a way for us to have true conversation. Um, but it's kind of nice cause it's back and forth. I actually get to, uh, unlike with my wife, sometimes <laughs> I don't get to finish a thought. <laughs> she'll, she'll, uh, hear where I'm going and cut me off. On Boxer, you get to finish a thought and have it out. And then, uh, and the other person gets the chance to respond without being interrupted either. So it's great. I, I really love the tool. But like I said, mostly uh, I've really deepened some relationships and friendships with folks that I've connected with on Twitter. Yeah, so that's been a great that's tool.
0: Been, that's awesome. Um, I'd love to uh, experience some other administrators that are using Boxer. So I'll send oh, you my I can give you a full list if you want. There's some great guys out there on great. it. Uh, and uh, was Melinda Miller.
1: Principal Jay Jessica Johnson, mm-hmm. um, you know, those two there teach me things all the time. Uh, Kurt Reese, another incredible principal um, that uh, he's kind of my self-check that I use. A lot. <laughs> I am, I constantly go, what would Kurt Reese do there? <laughs> and so now I have the opportunity to call him and ask him, hey, That's Kurt, awesome. what would you do?
0: That is awesome. Well, again, um Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I really appreciate it, and I've learned so much from you, and I know that the people who are listening this to this will too. Thank you again.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for connecting with
0: me. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher. And please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones.